Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70, the bat at C70 on Twitter with me, David Jones, iPop editor on the Twitters. We're coming to you after a Cardinals series win. Uh, you know, David, maybe they just need to play the New York teams more. Maybe that's the problem because they, they, they took the series against the Mets and they took a series against the Yankees and they took the series against those Dodgers that used to be in New York. So maybe they just need to somehow take on these teams like all the time on their schedule and then things will be fine. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, you, you look at the payrolls of these teams and you don't expect the Cardinals to actually come out ahead, but they can beat the teams they're not supposed to beat and then they completely falter to the teams that they're supposed to kill. Uh, so yeah, bring on New York. Let's let's see. Now, I, I, like I said a couple weeks ago, they didn't have to see uh, Scherzer or Verlander, but they did have to face Garrett Cole in this series and they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Kisner coming through with a huge hit against Garrett Cole. So, yeah, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need to be seeing these shutdown pitchers and these teams with high payrolls, and that's where they're actually going to take off. Yeah, it, it does probably help that none of these teams that we've talked, well, maybe the Dodgers, uh, are actually living up to expectations either. So that's there is that. Um, although the Yankees are playing, you know, 500-plus baseball. They're just not, uh, you know, what, third or fourth in their division. But, um yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting to see the Cardinals do so well against a good pitcher, and it just, I mean, does that add to the frustration level to know that this team has it in them, they just can't get it out on a constant basis? Oh, absolutely. And I had texted a friend during Game One of the doubleheader, and I said, "It's so frustrating seeing this because we're seeing what this team can be when the hitting does what what it's supposed to be, and when the pitching is good." Like this could be happening regularly. This is the type of offense and pitching that could put the team on a streak and on a roll, but you just don't get it. You you can't even get it in back-to-back games usually for this team. We couldn't even mm-hmm. get it twice in the same day yesterday. So, you know, today you don't expect them to go out and put up seven on Garrett Cole, but they came out and put up enough and the pitching was good enough to get it done. But we're just not seeing that consistently. And sometimes when you do get the offense, it's there. The bullpen's blowing games, as we saw right. this week. And, and that game with where Gallegos just lost it. And it, it kind of felt like the season just went down the toilet with that. And so, yeah, it, it is very frustrating because we cannot get a team to consistently put forth the same effort or the offense to match the pitching game after game. It it seems like it's one or the other or neither of the two. Very rarely do we get both working in tandem. Yeah. And even when they are winning or winning series, they're not making up any ground. Um, You know, they went into the series against the Yankees, I think nine and a half behind the leaders in the division. And they come out of the series nine and a half against behind the division leaders. Um, You know, that's, you know, kind of the part of that is it's the hole that they've dug themselves, right? I mean, that, you know, uh, you're so far behind and you got to, you know, all these teams ahead of you, somebody's going to win. But it's also just underscores the, I don't want to say impossibility because that's not right, but the difficulty in imagining this team's going to make a run because even if they win 10 or 12 in a row, they may only cut a couple of games off of the division lead. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's been tough to watch because 
and really, and that's where that hurt that game really hurt against the Astros mm-hmm. because they're in a little bit of a better situation if they pull that one out and they should have pulled that one out, but they didn't. And so another week goes by and they find themselves in the same spot, or as we've seen in weeks past, another week goes by and they find themselves a half game or a full game worse than they were. You can't do that at this point. Uh, we mm-hmm. just hit the halfway point of the season really at this point, you either have to be taking series or sweeping series. And you really need to be sweeping series because they've got a lot of room to make up. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that they needed to be, I felt like within six games at the all-star break, which it's still possible, not probable, but it's still possible, but they really need to be within six games. And right now it's not looking like that. It, it's more likely that they will be double digit games out when that comes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was thinking today when teams in basketball, especially college basketball, are getting blown out in the first half, the commentators always say they just need to get it under 10 by halftime. Well, if you want to take that approach for baseball, then sure, here we are. Cardinals got it just under 10 at halftime. Uh, but when you've got that many teams you have to jump and that many games you have to make up, it, it's still not looking good. And the other thing is we're halfway through the season and we've yet to see them put together a good stretch. Now, maybe you could call that Boston sweep around there a good yeah. stretch. That's been the only one they've had all season. And it was so short lived that I don't think we can expect anything different. If we're going to see a team go on a run, it's going to be a complete anomaly because it's just not going to happen with this roster and this pitching staff. Yeah, I saw a tweet, and I'm not going to be able to find it because it was two or three days ago now. And um, so far, I haven't hit the rate limited issue, but I'm sure I would if I went doing digging. Um, that it was from uh, Brian Colley or, or Brandon Colley, who basically said, "Yeah, that that was I think it was like 11 and three run around that Boston series, and then there was another run of about you know, I don't know, I don't remember eight and two or whatever. And other than that." They're playing that like 260 uh, ball, you know, and except for those, you know, the handles handful of games, you know, 20 games or something that we've seen. And so, yeah, it's, you know, this is, you can't say it's early. You can't say they're going to snap out of it. It's, this is who they are. Um, and I think John Mosellock will hopefully realize that. Yeah. I was looking, you said, you know, try to keep it, you know, you wanted to say six, six or six and a half, maybe out at the, of the division at the all-star break and the Carlos have the Marlins and the White Sox, which the Marlins will be a pretty tough series. White Sox, they've had their struggles as well, but even then, even if they're winning, the Reds have four against the nationals and then three with the Brewers. So, you know, at the end of that, that's, you know, somebody has got to win that. And then the Brewers have four with the Cubs and then three with the Reds. So it's really, really difficult to see how you even, even if you sweep the, seven games, which the Cardinals are not going to sweep the seven games. I think fairly safely to say that. Um, even if they did that, I don't know that there's a guarantee they could knock the three games off of that, that gap that, that you're talking about with that, because I just don't see that the other teams in the division are going to lose like that. Yeah. And you know, I'm looking really far ahead here when I think about this, but what it feels like is going to happen is this team's not going to come close to making the playoffs. But by the same token, they're probably also going to 
jump back a little bit closer in the standings so that by the time the season ends, no longer are they in place for like a top five pick in the 2024 draft, but they're actually sitting there around the 12 to 15 mark because of a little bit of a run that they've gone on. And so not only are you not getting that top, top five pick, but you've actually dropped yourself down. I also thinking about that, the draft for this year comes up this week. The Cardinals are out a second round pick because they signed Contreras. So that's already hurt that draft that's coming up. Um, You know, I'm not one of those people that wants them to start tanking at this point or start losing, or let's just trade everybody away so they can lose. But I think Cardinals fans, we're starting to get to the point where it's like either make this run and finally make this competitive or let's start looking towards next year Uh, because this mediocre baseball and not even mediocre, it's less than mediocre. It's just, not a good thing to watch. Um, I, I, I've used the analogy with the Blues many times, but the NHL draft just came and went, and we saw the Blues make three first-round picks, uh, three guys that in time should help the team greatly. Now, the Cardinals aren't going to have three first-round picks, but with some trades and with a possible draft a year from now, we could see the Farm Club really be restocked and, and start rising up in the ranks again. Maybe that's what we have to start looking forward to. I don't know if it's time yet. I hate to do that before the all-star break, but if this team can't get any closer than nine and a half games before the all-star break, it's really starting to feel like a lost cause, especially with how many teams they have to jump in both the central and wild card to even have a chance. Yeah. And I think to go along with your worst case scenario, the worst case scenario might be for them to win a couple, cut a couple games, go to seven games out of the all-star break. And start to think, okay, well, we can hold, we can hold Pat, we can do, and basically not make the moves that we feel like they probably should make, or at least would give new blood coming into the organization. Maybe they hold steady, and then, like you said, they they do just enough to stay out, you know, to, to ruin their draft position, but not enough to make it like an actual race. Um, and they've wasted their opportunity, which might be, we hope like once once in a generation, right? If generation counts as 20 years, uh, once in a generation chance to sell and bring in some actual talent because they have, they have pieces on this team that should be very interesting to other teams. And the fact that with the expanded um, playoffs, so many teams are in the hunt, there's not a lot of teams that can say we're selling. And I think if the Cardinals put up a sign that says, you know, open for business, they would be pretty solidly, they would be able to play some people off each other and get a pretty good deal. Assuming that the front office is capable of that and being that they have not had to do this very often, if like ever really, you do wonder, are they capable of maximizing the return on people like, Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Hicks, you know, do you go ahead and move Gallegos? Things like that. Are they able to do that? And I think that's something to watch because, you know, I don't know that making a lot of trades and getting players off this team doesn't help you if you don't get anything back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I, today I went through and looked at the trade deadline from last year just to see if I could kind of find some comps. And if you put Jordan Montgomery in last year's trade deadline with his numbers this year, he's probably one of the top three pitchers who got moved. Now Castillo got moved last year. Cardinals are not going to get a return like that. Right. right. Um, 
you got guys, you know, like Frankie Montas. Montgomery has better numbers, but you also have more term on Montas. So there's there's some odd things like that. But, you know, Montgomery, he's probably somewhere between a return of somewhere between Castillo and maybe a Tyler Malley. And Flaherty may be a return somewhere like Malley. Now, I think Malley had an extra year of arbitration still on there. Um, but those guys brought some returns. Uh, they brought players that are major league ready or close to major league ready. And we're talking, you know, three or four people that went along with those. Uh, I, you know, I don't think we're going to see too many superstars, superstar pitchers, especially moved at the trade mm-hmm. deadline this year, because like you said, so many teams are still in it. So I, you know, I don't think you're going to have the Max Scherzer who's, who's traded this year. I don't think you're going to have that ACE. Um, maybe you do see a Shane Bieber change hands. I, I don't know for sure. I don't know if Cleveland's going to do that. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of value. But like you said, you hope the Cardinals could actually get value back. Now, people would argue about what that means. Do you want four guys who are in the top 15 of a, of a team's farm system? Are you wanting one major league ready player and maybe one made mid-level prospect? I guess it all depends on what a team's asking for or looking for. But these guys really should garner some serious returns unless – the Cardinals are actually looking to extend them. Now, I don't think Flaherty's getting extended. I don't think Flaherty wears the birds on the bat next year. Mm-hmm. Montgomery, maybe. I, I don't know. I, in my mind, they would have to have a deal worked out before the trade deadline because I don't think you can just bank on him wanting to come back. Uh, but other than him, I don't see too many obvious fits in the long term. Do you see anybody that you like in your mind that, would be available at the tread deadline deadline that you think that guy needs to be a Cardinal next year? I know. I mean, I'm never one that knows so much about other teams anyway. I mean, when Jordan Montgomery came over last year, I was like, who is this guy? You know, so that <laughs> that's me, you know, I'm just not, I'm so I'm fairly myopically focused on the Cardinals. I don't know of anybody for sure. I mean, you know, obviously except for Shohei Otani, but that's not going to happen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, but anybody that's, I don't know that we're in a spot where they're that picky either. Right. I mean, if you can get some sort of quality, especially in the pitching department to come back for next year, I, I think you, you do it and you worry about, you know, sorting out the issues later because yeah, Jack Flaherty's not coming back. I, I, you know, again, I think we've gone from Jack Flaherty's not coming back because the Cardinals aren't going to be able to afford him to Jack Flaherty's not coming back because he needs a change of scenery. Um, I, I think if the Cardinals were that interested in Jordan Montgomery, they would have extended him in the, in the spring because Montgomery was open to an extension back then. I think it becomes a harder sell. I mean, I'm, he probably has enjoyed his time in St. Louis, I hope, but when you get within you know half a year of free agency and the money that comes with that, it's probably difficult for you to say, okay, I'm just going to pass that off um, and I'll sign an extension. So uh, yeah, I think you, you get there and hopefully you can find some, some young talent that, you know, you'd like to have somebody that's available to compete for a, a roster spot next year. But if it's a couple of years off, I don't think that's bad either because you know, Tinkins came and moved up to Springfield this year, this week, but that's about the only name we've got. You know, Jordan Graceffo and McGreevy are close, and 
but they're still not necessarily going to be top of the rotation type of guys. So if you can get a guy that can help you with the depth of your team for, you know, in a year or two, that may not be a bad thing either. Yeah. And you touched on something that I, I guess it's the one thing, the red flag in the back of my mind is that you can trade him at this deadline, but you still need a rotation next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have essentially taken the weakness of this team from this year and made it even weaker going into next season. Because really at this point, who do you have in the rotation that you're pretty sure of next year? What I guess Miles Michaelis is there and mm-hmm. Matthew Liebertor. And because I, I don't think you're putting Matt's back in there, not you're, you're at least not giving him saying he's a certain to be back mm-hmm. in there. And so really you're down to two pitchers. And so it's like at that point, do you think Zach Thompson's going to make the rotation? I mean, what we're seeing in Memphis? No, probably not. Yeah. I don't think you can quite just bank on McGreevy or Graceffo being ready. Maybe the Cardinals are, but I don't think you can, you know, Dakota Hudson. Sure. He looked good this weekend, but he has not looked good in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So that's the one red flag in the back of my mind where I'm like, the Cardinals have to have a starter um, next year. They've, they've got to have guys in the rotation. Right. You, you especially can't go into the season with a weaker rotation than you had this year. Um, and there's talks that free agency might not be the greatest um, at the end of this year because, you know, the Cardinals are not spending $600 million on Otani. Uh, so that's the one thing that I keep, keeps kind of playing in my mind. Like the return I'm sure would be pretty good for somebody like Montgomery, but if you could get the extension at a reasonable rate, I think that might be a better option than making the trade when you're thinking long-term, but I don't know. It's kind of a mess right now because you, you need more pitchers in that rotation, but you also need good return. And so good luck to the front office on figuring this one out. Yeah, I think that like that I would I would be all for an extension on Montgomery. I mean, I really would be. But I just don't I just don't think that's for whatever reason. And maybe the front office was a little bit hesitant. You know, Montgomery started off very strong last year. Um, and then after the first few starts, you know, hit a, hit a bit of a rough patch and maybe the front office wanted to wait and see on him. I think it was I mean, again, when you look at what this team has and all that, I think it would have been fairly safe to try to get him for another year or two, but they didn't. Um, and, and now I just, you know, again, even if they want to, I don't know that Montgomery's open to it. It takes, takes both sides of this to come up with an extension. You can't just, you know, unilaterally put one on there. So um, I, I feel like they've kind of missed a boat there. Um, and I think that the best thing they can do is to take him and put him, you know, get somebody to really go after him. And maybe it is just, maybe it's a one for one, but you get, you know, the top pitching prospect out of somebody's organization. If you can, I mean, you know, who knows if you can do that kind of thing because of Montgomery only having a couple of months with that team, but something of that nature, if it's like, no, we'll just take one good guy then. And that maybe that's worth it. Or maybe it is better to do four, you know, spread it out over four and, their 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 ceilings aren't so high, but you got a better floor. I I don't know. I, I do. You're like you said, the front office has their work cut out for them. Um, and I, you know, Jomo Selig's out there saying we could go one of four ways, but it's very very difficult for us to, to determine, you know, how he's going to do anything like. But either sell in the uh, traditional get rid of anybody that's going to be a free agent type of mode, or the sell of we're going to get somebody back. That's a major leaguer for this year and next year. 
the kind of the Jordan Montgomery, Harrison Bader type of deal that we had last year. Um, but he's got to do, I just don't, I think this whole Pat idea, um, I hope is not actually one of the things that they're thinking about. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I think that will drive fans absolutely insane if the other, the only thing the Cardinals do is trade somebody like, you know, Austin Romine for cash considerations or something like that. We, we just don't want to see that again. And, you know, maybe Montgomery is a good sell high guy right now. His numbers right now are better than they were with the Yankees last year at this point. Um, yeah. He's got the best ERA plus of his career. I understand him not wanting to do an extension because if he hits free agency, he's going to get paid. Uh, he's right. 30 years old. He can sign probably a four-year contract. He's going to get a lot of money. So, yeah, why wouldn't you go test the waters like that? It, it makes sense. And so by the same mindset, I could see the Cardinals you know, selling high on him. Uh, when you look at his whip this year, it's higher than it has been in the past. And so he's probably gotten a little bit lucky on some things. And so maybe his numbers could be a little worse than they are. His FIP is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that may be one of those things that the Cardinals sell high to a team that's missing that number two guy in their rotation. And, and maybe they pull in two or three top 15 prospects from within an organization. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the whole Stan Pat thing, um, that works. If you just want to see more of the same, if you just want to see more mediocrity or below mediocrity, uh, sure. You know, we get into the whole definition of insanity at that point, if they just stand pat. Now, I don't think that can be done. I know you read some papers and it, you know, you've got some writers pushing for the Cardinals to go out there and trade for all these big time aces. Yeah, that sounds great in fantasy baseball, but that's not how reality works in, in trades like that. So unless something happens and I hope something does happen. Something good happens with this team, but unless something happens that just lights a fire under them and sparks a winning streak, I think we're going to start seeing them slide into seller mode. And I guess we're looking in the next, what, three weeks, three, four weeks. Yeah. I mean, the, the draft is during the all-star break, um, which is, you know, next week when we record the show, we'll be done with the first half of the season. Um, and so the all the draft actually the first round maybe oh, a week from tonight. I'm not I can't remember. It is sure. yes, it's it's yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. So, you know, by this time, you know, next week you're two or three days away from the front office focus everything really turning into this trade. I mean, they're they're doing some work as John so said, like I said, but they're they're gonna put like all the resources into that trading de- de- or the trading deadline after that and. You know, I don't think, I mean, they get a chance to come out of the gate with the Nationals, which could be good. Uh, and then they get the Marlins again. And then they've got four in Wrigley, which, yeah, it's Wrigley. Uh, and then they go out to Arizona and then they get the Cubs back at the home. So yeah, it's difficult to see that this is a stretch where like, oh, okay, well, yeah, they're going to make up the ground. So, yeah, I think they're, they should be doing some of that stuff. Now, if... If they trade Montgomery and they trade Flaherty, um, what are you thinking about a rotation of Wainwright, Michaelis, Libertor, and then, you know, maybe it's Dakota Hudson, maybe it's Stephen Matz, maybe it's Alec Burleson. McGreevy. <laughs> hey, Burleson, yeah. <laughs> After the Grand Slam, he had it down. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, is it, if they bring up somebody like a McGreevy in that, and then you've got like Libertor, 
is there enough interest for you in seeing how these young guys start to develop or if they're going to develop um, to make the second half interesting or at least as interesting it would be if Montgomery and Flaherty were there? Maybe, which isn't a great answer. But, you know, a guy like McGreevy has shown at times that he may be getting close and getting closer. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't, you know, you wonder with a guy like that who has not thrown a ton of innings at the big league level yet, or at least in the major league organization, if he would actually be ready to come in and pitch. Now, maybe he comes out and throws, you know, three, four innings and somebody piggybacks off of him. Graceffo has been coming off an injury, so they're still working him back with two, three innings at a time and stuff like that. And so he may be a guy that's not ready for that. I do wonder if some of these trades, if we possibly see the Cardinals, you know, pick up one of those old veteran types just simply to have somebody to come in and pitch, to have an arm. We've seen them do that in the past, or maybe it's not a trade, but maybe it's somebody who was let go. And so I, I would not be shocked if in the second half of the season, we see some familiar name that we've seen in baseball for a long time, who's maybe 36 years old, taking the mound for the team. Um, I, I, I don't know how that looks, but, you know, of course you have to fill your rotation and you can't let guys go out there and just get shelled all the time. And so I, I do think you, you'll have Michael. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think you'll have Libertor. I think you'll have Michaelis. Maybe Matt gets puts it back in there. I, I don't know. I, the Wainwright thing is a whole nother issue itself. And, right. and that's that's a difficult one. Um, if the season, you know, and maybe he gets, it it gets it back. Maybe his form comes back. I don't know. I hope it does. If it doesn't, uh, try to get this guy to 200 wins some way, Mm -hmm. somehow. Um, but yeah, I, I have this feeling that if the Cardinals are sellers, you may see them pick up some of those older veterans, either who have been put on waivers, um, maybe a little bit of a salary dump, some salary that they're willing to absorb in some of these trades, just to get them through. Um, hey, maybe we finally see Rich Hill in a Cardinal uniform. I, I don't know, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with some of this. Um, just one of those to get through the season. I, I hate saying that, but that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. I, I mean, we'll be interested. I mean, because it's also, I mean, you know, again, what's what's your motivation for the last half of the season if you're the Cardinals? Is it to, you know, look as good as you can? Is it to try to test out some young guys, see what you have going forward? Is it to get the best draft position possible? I mean, I know I know that the Cardinals are not a tanking type of team, but I also don't know if you know putting out a substandard roster for you know two months counts as tanking, right? I, I mean, I don't know that it does. Um, so, you know, do you see a Connor Thomas or somebody that has been on the 40 man? Uh, I'm not sure if Connor is right now, but I think he, I think he is, um, you know, getting a chance or a Tommy Parsons to get a chance, even though they're struggling in Memphis, getting some chances at the major league level, because, Hey, you might as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's gonna be interesting. I think it's also, you know, we're talking a lot about the pitching side of things, but you know, what are you going to do with these outfielders? What are you going to do with a Juan Yepes? What are you going to do with a Luke and Baker? What are you going to do with an Alec Burleson? You know, I, I don't, it doesn't feel like all of these guys, we've said this for a while, but it doesn't feel like all these guys can be here. They definitely probably shouldn't be here 
after July 31st. Yeah, it's funny. We're halfway through the season and still talking about a log jam. And yep. yet we're also talking about a losing team. <laughs> and I don't know if that's those go hand in hand or they're completely um, opposites or of one another and have nothing to do with one another. Uh, but yeah, you know, I it's one of those things. Yeah, I don't think this team tanks purposely. I think you can put together some fun baseball, even if you're not a winning team. I mean, do we see Mason win? playing shortstop at some point this year you've got Ooh. could you put have mason win and jordan walker and maybe moises gomez on a, a lineup together that's not a lineup that's out there just to lose and to tank that actually could be a pretty entertaining lineup and you're also getting guys some reps and some experience for the future Ooh. and you're starting to pre- prepare that way do you let a guy like you said like a juan yepes get out there and play every day or almost every day after maybe some guys are traded away, which he could be one of them for all I know. Uh, But to see, is this anything you don't want to have a Randy or Rosarena deal where you find that you've got a guy that you've been burying for so long and not giving it bats suddenly become an all-star for another team. One way you figure that out is by giving a guy at bats at the major league level, Uh, a Dallas Garcia Garcia. That was a similar situation there too, just not getting Mm -hmm. the at bats. So, yeah, you know, there's still a lot of time before we'll actually get to that. Um, I don't think this is a team that you're going to see just <laughs> – I almost said it's going to put guys out of position to lose games, but we've seen guys out of position all year long. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to be one of those just, you know, let's throw out some ugly baseball. You're going to see Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Jordan Walker, and those guys playing every right. day. Right. Um, even if the pitching staff doesn't look great, and even if you've got some guys from Memphis playing around them, uh, but I, and I'm okay with that. If the season is a lost cause, I'm, I'm okay with that. Hey, you know what? There may become a point where the Cardinals get back in it due to injuries. Those guys come up and they're playing to win. And I'm okay with that too. Uh, but I think when you see about late August, early September roll around, this lineup is going to look a lot different and especially the starting rotation. Is there a silver lining in the fact that the team has struggled so much that we don't have to have the difficult discussion of Adam Wainwright. Um, because I feel like if the Cardinals were a game out of first or something of that nature and Wainwright had been pitching the way he's been pitching and granted, you know, he had a really good start against the Mets, but then went to London, got shelled, uh, you know, just got blasted by Houston. Um, and we would we be having to have this discussion about is it good for the team for Adam Wainwright to continue to go out there? Whereas you're, you know, not dead and buried to some degree. It doesn't really matter if he goes out there every fifth day. And if you get the good Adam Wainwright, great. And if you don't, well, somebody will come clean. It's a mess. Once again, I'd like to recuse myself from this conversation as it hits too close <laughs> to home. Yeah, you know, I think if if that were the case, which, hey, I think we'd take that much more than we're taking what we got right now. But, um, you know, if it was a close thing, if they were in first place or short, just a little bit out of first place, this might be where you see them start skipping starts or you see that phantom IL kind of pop up. You know, suddenly there's a little shoulder tightness or something like that. Uh, And but that can only last for so long. And then the difficult conversations have to start coming. Now, 
I'm hoping maybe it's just two really bad back-to-back starts and his next start, mm-hmm. he goes out there and we see him go five and two thirds and give up three runs. And we say, okay, we can deal with that. Right. But I was, uh, it, the last two games, it's been, it's been tough to watch. And at one point I kind of just turned the TV off and followed on GameCast on my phone. And I was noticing his fastball was basically topping out around 86, maybe mm-hmm. getting up to 87. And, um, you, you just, that just, you can't do that. I mean, it, when you have major league hitters in this day and age who are this good, it doesn't matter how much movement you have on 87, if that's your four seam fastball. Uh, and so, if he can't find a little more velocity, if he can't find a little more movement and, and figure some other things out, it, it could be a tough goodbye. And and Bernie Miklas wrote about that this week a little bit, that uh, Bob Gibson went through the same thing. When mm. Bob Gibson's final season, his ERA was well over five. Uh, other pitchers have been through it. Now, the good thing is, when we think back on Bob Gibson's career, we don't think about that at all. That did right. not right. hurt his legacy at all. And I think with Adam Wainwright, 18 months from now, um, with the exception of the Twitter trolls, people (laughs) aren't going to be thinking about that. We're going to think about what he did on the mound in 2006, the the teammate he was, what he's done with big league impact and all those things. But in the right now, um, man, it's, it is tough to watch it. It's, it breaks my heart a little bit because I've said before, he's my favorite Cardinal of all time. And I don't want to see this happening. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe there is a small blessing in disguise that this team is not competitive right now because that does eliminate some of those more difficult conversations that might need to happen um, sooner rather than later that right now they can actually happen a little bit later. Yeah, you, you do wonder if he wishes his September last year was better. Because I think if his September last year had been better, he would have probably called it quits with Yachty and, and Albert. Um, but, but going out on that sour note, kind of, you know, that a competitor in him, he thought he could fix it. And now he's having this kind of year and the team's having this kind of year. It's like, I came back for this. <laughs> Why exactly? Um, but he's also too much of a competitor to quit in the middle of things. Right. I don't, I don't, you know, there's been some talk about, you know, if he hits 200, does he, you know, does he retire or something like that? But I think Adam Wainwright goes out there every time thinking he's going to be, vintage Adam Wainwright. Um, and at some nights he probably is going to be, or something close to it. Um, I just think there's too much in him to say, okay, we're done. And as I think we talked about this on, on maybe unusual, maybe we talked about it last week. I don't remember, but you know, who are you going to put him in there? Right. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were just talking about, this is not exactly this long list of pitchers of the great quality that are just waiting for Adam Wainwright to move out of the way so they can take that spot. You know, if Adam Wainwright retired today, what, Dakota Hudson takes that spot probably? And that's, I mean, who wants that? Um, uh, although, given the way Dakota Hudson pitched against the Yankees, maybe I should be nicer to him. But, <laughs> um, and he may get a start this week, too, so I guess we'll find out. But but still, I mean, I mean, it's not it's not like Tink Hintz is sitting at AAA and is just waiting to step in on a spot like that. This is... This is where the Cardinals are, where the fact that Adam Wainwright, even so much as he struggles, is probably better than any other alternative. Yeah, you're right. Um, And I've seen people say the Cardinals need to call up this guy, this guy, or this guy. And you look at their numbers and it's like, oh, 
Like, why would you do that? Or, or that guy's not ready. Like, you're not going to call up a 19 year old that you just drafted. No, that does, that's not how it works. Um, and so, yeah, you, you hope he can get it. You know, at this point, it's kind of more of a cerebral thing with him. He's He's got to outsmart the batters and then hope he can outsmart yeah. them enough to get his stuff by. I heard him on the radio uh, just last week, and he was talking about how that um, he told he used to tell Carlos Martinez that if he had his fastball, he'd probably win 20 Cy Youngs uh, in a <laughs> row because of – and he was complimenting Carlos Martinez about how amazing his fastball was. Right. But I was thinking about it, and you know – I don't know if Adam Wainwright's ever had the best stuff on any staff he's been a part of. Now he's been Mm. the best pitcher on a lot of staffs, but I don't know if he's ever had the best stuff. I mean, there were times where they talk about how Jaime Garcia had the best stuff of anybody in the rotation or Carlos Martinez had the best stuff or Alex Reyes had the best stuff. Very rarely did you hear anybody say that Adam Wainwright did. Now he had the best curveball, but other guys had better stuff. He was just a smarter pitcher and a better pitcher in a world of throwers really uh and so you know it it's one of those things that you hope that he can kind of recapture that but at the same time we know father time is undefeated in sports and that may be where things are headed right now but like you said who else are you going to put in there um he's still going to be better than a position player uh you can't just do bullpen games all the time and there's really nobody at memphis knocking on the door or springfield for that matter so it kind of it is what it is right now and hopefully he gets it together and hopefully we can see him put together some wins hopefully so i mean i don't think we want him to just go out with you know just number 200 because he you know the offense scored eight runs or something for him we'd like to see you know some good some good adam waiter and, and we can't i mean again we you know people have pointed this out albert pujols at this time last year was hitting like 198 and was about to retire and that changed um, pretty considerably in the second half. Um, I do not expect Adam Wainwright to, you know, chase down Bob Gibson's ERA record or anything like that. But, um, you know, he can still be productive, and, and hopefully that's what we see because, yes, it's, it, it, it is a bit painful to, to watch it right now. And, and to the fact that to know that it used to be when Adam Wainwright went out there, you expected to win, and now – you don't honestly i mean it really depends like you know i knew you know look at it houston's a terrible matchup for him because they're a really good hitting lineup if you can get a lineup like i don't know the marlins don't necessarily have a lot of power i don't think uh you know i'm probably showing my ignorance here but it doesn't feel like it it feels like a team that maybe he could be competitive against right um Mm -hmm. you know if he comes out and gives up six runs to the marlins then you know I don't think the conversation changes any, um, but only because of how bad the team is. So, yeah, I will say one thing just to throw this out there. And this kind of goes in a completely different direction, <laughs> but yeah. you know, you hear the talk about him deactivating his Twitter this week. And I heard him on the radio explaining why. Mm-hmm. And some of it he said was just because, you know, he needed to spend more time with his family. He didn't need to be scrolling on his phone when he was around them. But he also talked about that, like some of the things that people were messaging him and saying to him, just like awful, awful stuff. Right. I mean, you know, people that, you know, slide in your DMs and say, you know, kill yourself and, you know, stuff like that, like how, how terrible of a person and athletes get this every day mm-hmm. um, on the morning drive. Kerry Davis even brought up the fact that, you know, some of this probably has to do with these guys that are involved with like sports betting and stuff like that, that they feel like this player cost them money in some way, like that, that he's responsible mm-hmm. for it and guys just lose their minds. But, you know, I, I never at a player um, unless it's something positive. 
Um, I try to be careful about what I even say negatively because I I don't think I, I don't think I mentioned this to you on here. Maybe I did. Uh, I may have told you this privately, but I, I just, this was several months ago. I said something about Jordan Walker with a home run or something like that. Didn't tag anybody. And then Jordan Walker's dad liked my tweet. And I was like, you know, I didn't even tag anybody, but his dad saw this. If somebody had said something negative about his son, he's going to see this too. And so family members see this. Adam Wainwright's got daughters who are social media age and probably social media savvy who are seeing this stuff about their dad. This is a game. And as much as I love it and I'm a diehard baseball fan um, and I live and die with the Cardinals sometimes, this is a game. And so people that are saying these hateful things, taking character Mm -hmm. shots, taking personal shots at somebody because of how they're pitching, get a life and see a therapist because that is not healthy. Um, there is no reason to be attacking someone's character over something like that, especially people that are going to do it from their mom's basement with these anonymous accounts where they're not even going to show their face or give their name. This is a guy who literally has saved lives, saved lives in Haiti because of the hospitals he's built, because of the money that he has donated, because of the work that he's done when he's been over there. I mean, literally people are alive today because of what this man has done. And so for people to take character shots, it's just uncalled for to say the hateful things. It's not needed. We are talking about a game. His pitching has not been what we expect. It's not what we wanted to see. I hate it. I know other fans hate it. But come on, people. And I say that knowing that anybody that's listening to this podcast right now is not one of those people. Um, I don't think we are uh, shocked enough for those people to listen, nor would they have the attention spans. But anyway, just had to get that off my chest because, you know, I've got a number 50 jersey hanging in my closet. And it's more about the person, Adam Wainwright, than the player, Adam Wainwright, and everything he's done. Um, But, man, I, I respect him. I love him so much. I hate seeing this happen on the baseball field, but at the same time, I know that this man finds his identity off the field in other places. And so no matter what happens on the field, I'm always going to be a fan of the man, the person and the player. I'll get off my soapbox, but just wanted to get that out there. No, I, I, and I agree. And then look, and I'm, it's, it's not acceptable and it's stupid and everything for anybody to say anything like that to any player. Right. But even more so to a guy that has spent his whole entire career in St. Louis, who has, you know, a signature moment, two at least, probably, in, in bringing H, H World Series Championship to St. Louis, who has, you know, is an icon. I mean, you would think, I mean, you would think you would you say you could understand the disappointment and, and maybe be disappointed in what he's doing, but still be able to factor in the fact that this guy has been really, this guy's given so much to the organization that you like. I'm assuming, you know, assuming that these so-called fans are actually Cardinal followers and not, like you said, just random betting people that, you know, although if you're a random better and you're betting on Adam Wainwright this year, you deserve to lose. Um, but uh, I, I just don't, I mean, I get, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like another level when you're taking on an icon like Adam Wainwright. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's terrible when they do it to anybody, but when you're doing it to, you know, a free agent guy that just came in or something like that, at least you, there's not necessarily that long-term connection there that makes it even harder to fathom. 
when Adam Wainwright, you know, just last year, probably these people are cheering Adam Wainwright, you know, as he's you know having this dominant resurgence in the end of his career. And now to turn around and just, you know, throw hate at him, it's, I mean, it's one, a terrible reflection on society, but two, just mind boggling to think that somebody, it's mind boggling to think that somebody could hate Adam Wainwright. I guess that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, you know, I, I see the videos and the pictures of him with his son Caleb on the field and stuff like mm. that. And it's like, you know what? Take a look at that guy and see the humanity that's there. This guy is a father and a husband before he is a baseball player. Um, think about that person that, you know, the person that's out there playing catch with his kid who is running around with his kid on the field. That's the guy that you really want to take shots at with all the mess in this world and all the evil that's going on in this world. That's the guy mm. you're attacking. Like, come on now. No. Um, but like you said, it's a more of a reflection on society and those people. Um, some serious, serious bitterness and anger and, and some dark things going on in those people's lives that really, like, seriously, if you're that type of person to lash out, you either need to get off social media for good or you need to seek some help before you get back on it because that is not healthy and that will eat you up from the inside and lead you down a dark road. Um, yeah. Did not expect to go on this path talking about the Cardinals, but when they're not winning, I guess we got to find something to talk That's about. Right. I mean, well, and it was, you know, kind of notable when a guy that, you know, there's a lot of these guys on Twitter, these players that have Twitter that they don't do really do anything, right? That, right. They may retweet a highlight or they might, you know, advertising that they might have, you know, stuff like that when they've got to promote a product or something like that. But, you know, Adam Wainwright is a guy, you know, his old man walks and and other things. He's I'm not saying he's like on Twitter all the time, but he's at least more active and involved and more upbeat with it than, you know, the player that just happens to have one. I mean, if you're throwing again, it's terrible. But if you're throwing hate at somebody like. I don't know, Wilson Contreras or something who may not even ever be or on. Trevor Bauer be, even. Or, I mean, if you well, go. <laughs> yeah, but well, no, Trevor Bauer was on. My my point was, if you're throwing it at somebody that that doesn't even check their Twitter account, gotcha. Yeah, you know that you're throwing it. It's kind of just like screaming into the void or something like that. And it's still terrible because you never know. I mean, you've got to assume you're saying this because you want them to see it. And it's still terrible, but at least you know it. It might be nobody's hurt in this whole process. But when you've got a guy like I wonder who's on actively, um, and it, and is a <laughs> is a credit to Twitter as much as anybody can be a credit to Twitter. Um, right. Which is uh, maybe an existential debate that you can have. Um, I, I, it's just something about, and when to, to, to run him off the, the platform, even if it was just briefly, um, just, just felt sad. And I'm glad that, you know, you, you saw a lot of people that, you know, showed their support for Adam Wainwright in that whole process of you know really kind of tagging him with positive messages and things like that and i hope when he got back on that he saw the responses that people had for him and then realized that you know whatever hatred that he got was just a sliver of the fan base that really doesn't need to be paid attention to yeah you know i'll just share this story really quick but i was at the uh, nfl draft uh, when it was in nashville a few years ago and I happened to get, I was a seat filler. And so I happened to be up in like the, the fan section, like so, sort of VIP, I guess, but you know, I was filling seats. Well, 
I was right next to the New England Patriots super fans. And anytime Goodell would come on the stage, they would boo their minds out, flip the bird, say every cuss word you could think. They would mm. go to commercial. Goodell would come down off the stage and take pictures with people. And they were the first people to run up and put their <laughs> arm around him and take pictures. I think that's how Twitter is a lot of times. When people are at a distance, they will scream and yell and boo and say every bad thing. But if they ever got in that person's presence, hey, could you sign this? Will you take this picture mm-hmm. with me? You're my favorite player. I love you so much. And that's kind of what it is. And it's that difference between being on one side of the screen and actually reality. And I think that's what a lot of these people are doing. They would never yell that stuff to his face. They're going to want autographs, whether they're going to put it on eBay or put it up in their room. Uh, But yeah, you put a screen away from somebody and they just become a monster and an animal. And it's, it's an ugly thing. Yeah. The good thing about if you get it from at least our point of view, you get an Adam Wainwright autograph. You also get a Bible verse underneath it. So maybe uh, you could uh, <laughs> read it. Maybe, 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 yeah, maybe that would help uh, help a little bit as well. All right. We've run long tonight because, you know, you got to talk out about it, right? Adam Wainwright. That's fine. You're going to run the long, long. Um, Cardinals, like we said, Marlins and White Sox in the, the traditional first half, even though the Cardinals have hit past game 81 already. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how this week goes. And, Hopefully next week we have some more interesting things to talk about. Won't have much to talk about with the All-Star game because that's right now. Nolan Arnauto, the only um, representative that may change as people drop out. You still think like Jordan Hicks or Nolan Gordman, even Paul Goldschmidt, depending on who, who drops out, might be options. But uh, until next time, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.